People want more democracy, not less. It's time to talk progressive politics and practical solutions with Joy Silver. Outspoken from Radio 111. Now, here's Joy. Welcome to Outspoken, and today we have a special candidate for Riverside County District Attorney, and the show is called No One is Above the Law. The Honorable Burke Strunsky is a judge for the Riverside County Superior Court in California. Before that, he was the Riverside County Senior Deputy District and Attorney. Judge Strunsky helped co-found the Humanity of Justice Foundation in 2009. Welcome, Your Honor, and thank you for joining us today on Outspoken. Thank you, Joy, for having me. I appreciate it. Well, I'm really happy to speak to you because I think many people want to see some changes here in Riverside County. And I really would like to ask you a couple of questions. Uh, but let's start with what made you want to run for Riverside County District Attorney? Well, good question. I've uh, been a judge for the last five years, so I've had a front row seat to some of the injustices and inefficiencies and problems going on within the district attorney's office and how it impacts our communities and how it impacts the courts. Uh, So after serving first as a prosecutor for about 15 years and then as a judge from for the last five years, um, I've, uh, I've shown that I've cared, cared deeply about public safety and justice here in Riverside County. And so what I decided to do about four years ago, about four weeks ago, is to give up my judgeship and run for Riverside County District Attorney because it's that important and it's gone that wrong. And so uh, I have to tell everybody, and I've been telling them, Uh, throughout the last four weeks that our criminal justice house is on fire and we need to act. Uh, There are tremendous, tremendous problems and we're all becoming less safe. What's gone wrong? I mean, that is quite a commitment to give up the judgeship and make a run for it and very uh, courageous and I'd say brave too because, well, you're going to be right in the firing line of those who are in your profession, but what has gone so wrong that gave you the inspiration and energy to get out there and make those changes? Well, in short, uh, Mike Hestron, the incumbent district attorney's very regressive criminal justice policies of the last eight years have have failed. And great injustices are happening every day in every courtroom in our county. And on top of that, we're becoming less safe. Uh, Not to mention the fact that uh, the current budget of the, the district attorney the annual budget has increased by about 52% just since Mike Hestron took office. So taxpayers are on the line for about $50 million more than when Mr. Hestron first took office for a total budget of about $160 million each year and growing. And we were less safe with that kind of expenditure? Right. What we know uh, is that the homicide rate in Riverside County has increased by double digit percentages in the last four of uh, in in four of the last five years that have been reported. What we also know, uh, because often criminal justice reform is blamed for increases in crime, we know that statewide the homicide rate has gone down three of the last four years. 
so what those statistics tell us is Riverside County is doing worse as far as public safety than the state overall, despite the fact that too often regressive prosecutors blame the criminal justice reform coming out of Sacramento for increased crime rates. So you're saying it's different in Riverside County than it is in other counties. Right. Those numbers come directly from the Department of Justice uh, official statistics. And what we know is that when Mr. Hestron took office in 2015, compared to the statistics from 2020, which is the last year reported, the homicide rate in Riverside County went up 70 percent. That is five times greater than it went up in that same period statewide. And, and you put the uh, you you say that this is because of Mr. Hestron or do you say it's because of law enforcement? Well, uh, right now I'm focused on the district attorney's office. What we know is Mr. Hestron's been in office for seven years. Uh, so certainly if the crime rates were going down, Mr. Hestron would tout his policies as being uh, responsible for that. My point simply is he needs to take responsibility uh, now that we know that Riverside County residents are becoming uh, less safe, uh, despite the fact that uh, he has, uh, again, some of the most aggressive criminal justice policies uh, in the state. Uh, and he's, uh, uh, he is uh, often opposed to uh, mental health treatment and substance abuse treatment as primary alternatives to jail and prison, although he does use those programs around the margins, to be fair. Uh, but uh, there certainly are cases that came up on a regular basis in which mental health and drug treatment are the best solution because the root problem that caused the cr- crime to occur was, in fact, one that related to uh, those matters. So certainly in order to uh, uh, best protect the communities, we need to, in fact, invest in uh, those programs. Now, certainly uh, there are people that need to go to prison and uh, I've sent uh, many, many people to prison in my career, but it's important to distinguish those uh, that can't be rehabilitated from those where true rehabilitation is not only the right thing to do, but is the best way to keep us safe. What would be the first thing that you do when you're elected? What's the first major change that you would make Well, uh, the first clear change, uh, one clear change that I'm going to make day one is, and I've said this since the day I announced, is I will not seek the death penalty. What we know is Riverside County often sends more people to death row than any other county in the nation. We also know that the average death penalty case costs about a million dollars more than a life without the possibility of parole case. But what we know, which is startling to me, is that no Riverside County conviction has resulted in an execution since 1961, some 60 years ago. So the bottom line is we are spending millions of taxpayer dollars, dollars that could be spent to actually make us safer, to provide services to victims uh, on these death penalty cases. And we know there's no reasonable possibility that they will result in an execution. So bottom line is it's time to spend those millions of dollars uh, on things like testing rape kits, on things like providing better services for victims, on things like actually uh, prosecuting and preventing violent crime. 
rather than merely uh, pursuing a penalty uh, that we know uh, is out of our reach. That's interesting. You talked about the testing of the rape kits. Uh, one of the things that uh, Senator, when she was Senator Connie Leva, was um, most uh, adamant about was uh, it's one thing to have uh, rape kits and a test done. It's another to complete them and use them in prosecutions. Would you change that, and how would you do that? Well, uh, going back to first the testing issue, uh, one, we need to get these rape kits tested. Uh, as a uh, former sex crimes prosecutor, I know all too well how uh, this delayed justice uh, for victims is, 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 is tragic. And not only is it delayed uh, justice for victims, it also creates a situation where a predator is allowed to reoffend. Mm-hmm. And so uh, getting these rape kits tested has to be a priority of anybody in law enforcement and getting them tested quickly so that uh, the opportunity to reoffend is, uh, is mitigated and lessened. Um, we need to make sure that when we have a rape profile, that we file the appropriate motion, even if we don't have a suspect, to toll the statute of limitations. We need to do all this because, one, it's what we need to do to make sure we get justice for that victim. We also need to do this uh, so that we can protect uh, our community and not have future victims. Yeah, that's a very important thing that you're talking about here because I think one of the things that people don't realize or they don't consider it or they maybe they think it's like a TV show. The crime happens, it goes to court, but when you said increase victim services for money to go to that, when those crimes occur, it is not just the day that crime occurred, it's the repercussions to the family and the life, and that never leaves the victim. And so what you're talking about is increasing um, using dollars to victim services, is, I think, is a, a very important thing. And you also talked about training of prosecutors. Are they not trained? Are they undertrained? What's happening with that? Well, as to your first question, um, when I was a prosecutor and I met uh, a victim or a victim's family, uh, we talk about the worst thing that's likely ever happened to that person. And so it's tragic. And as you so uh, perfectly point out, it's not something that merely goes away uh, once, a, uh, once the event happens, once a trial happens. It's something that continues on in that person's life and dramatically affects it. And so services don't and shouldn't end the day the case ends. We don't just uh, wipe our hands and, and say we're not going to have anything to do with uh, this uh, case anymore because the criminal case is closed. We mm-hmm. need to make sure that we provide services for victims uh, for some time uh, and understand that, that uh, the case, it doesn't end uh, the day the conviction happens. Right. Right. And then we were talking. Oh, and it's just, Go yeah, ahead. the training of prosecutors. Yes. Yeah, it's essential that we have continuing training uh, for prosecutors, that we make sure that they understand their ethical standards, that they understand the changes in the law. And what we what we know is there have been tremendous changes in the law. Every year, there are more and more changes in the way that the law has to be applied. We may need to make sure that the prosecutors are aware of all these changes so that they're properly incorporated into uh, the disposition process and the procedures in court. Little things like recently, uh, uh, there's been a, uh, a ability of prosecutors to, in, in fact, initiate resentencing on old cases. And this is something that is tremendously important, but not used by our current district attorney. 
that it would allow prosecutors to, in fact, take cases that are 10, 20, 30 years old and go back and reevaluate that sentence in light of what we know today about what the appropriate sentences should be, what, how that person has been rehabilitated. And we can begin to, in fact, bring old just, uh, injustices back to our court and fix them. And that, that is something that our current district attorney, to my knowledge, is not using on any regular basis. I can tell you in the thousands of cases that were in my courtroom, it wasn't used. We'll be right back with Burke Strunsky for DA, Riverside County. Our podcast today is made possible by the generous support of My Little Flower Shop in Palm Springs. They are the premier full-service floral and event design studio in our beautiful desert cities. The staff has more than 50 years of experience designing, planning, and executing one-of-a-kind, high-profile social, corporate, and charity benefit special events. That experience includes the Academy Awards and presidential inaugurations. So whether you are planning a wedding, a birthday, showers, or anniversary parties, or you're organizing a big banquet, My Little Flower Shop uses only the finest flowers and will help you celebrate in style. Everyday arrangements, wedding bouquets, centerpieces, and amazing unique designs. Call My Little Flower Shop. Open daily, 9 to 5. The phone number is 760-778. 7111. That's 760 778 7111. And visit them online for visual inspiration, mylittleflowershop.com at 861 North Palm Canyon in Palm Springs. They're open for delivery and an official sponsor of Outspoken. And welcome back to where no one is above the law. This is Joy Silver with the Honorable Burke Strunsky, who is a candidate for Riverside County DA. Thank you for being here with us today. I wanted to share with you that I come from a law enforcement family. My own father was in the, as a detective in the Philadelphia Police Force for 35 years, so I'm no stranger to the courtroom. He used to take us to the courtroom as kids to watch him do his thing and testify, and, and he was very concerned. Oftentimes, he said, a lot of people who don't get a fair shake in life are the ones who he ends up having to arrest or investigate. So he was very conscious of the social conditioning of those people that he ended up having to uh, work with or arrest or investigate. So one of the questions I have for you, and it's one of the things that you say that you'll be doing, is you say that you're going to restore the separation of powers between the police and the prosecutors uh, to preserve the integrity of our entire criminal justice system. Now, this is very, uh, very key to many, many people that um, certainly I speak to. They're very frightened of what they see, the, the, the power that law enforcement has and the collusion with DAs. Can you tell us a little bit about how you're going to pull that, uh, pull that apart a little bit and make sure that no one is above the law? Thank you for that. Yes. Uh, so, Many of your listeners uh, likely know that the district attorney is the chief law enforcement officer of the county. Uh, it's not the sheriff. It's not the police chiefs. It's, it's the district attorney. And what that means is the district attorney is responsible for some civilian oversight of law enforcement. Uh, so what we know is that the current district attorney is principally funded by 
law enforcement unit. In other words, they provide uh, the lion's share of campaign contributions. Mm. Uh, We also know that the current sheriff is also elected uh, primarily by the funding of that same union, the sheriff's union. Uh, So we have two elected officials, one who has mandated criminal oversight over the actions of the other, uh, and they're both funded by the precisely same organization. So this creates a very troubling and very stark conflict of interest. In fact, there's legislation currently pending in Sacramento that would, in fact, require a prosecutor to recuse him or herself from a case in which they received money from a law enforcement union mm. if that a member of that union is being investigated for officer-involved misconduct. Now, that legislation may not ultimately pass, but it proves the point that this is a very stark and concerning conflict of interest. Well, I think many people would be counting on you on on this particular item, uh, particularly because of the rate of increase in the concealed weapons permits, which I think many people are are extremely upset by, um, and so weaponizing um, the the, uh, the constituency of Riverside County and just increasing access to uh, to gun ownership is, is uh, troubling to many, many citizens of Riverside County. How would you be handling something like that? Is there anything that you can do? No, the, the, the district attorney's office uh, is, is, is not in any way uh, able to provide oversight over that issue. Principally, what the district attorney's office does is provides oversight when there's officer-involved misconduct, when there's a shooting that's not justified, or other action by a law enforcement officer within the uh, purview of his or her duties that is not uh, justified. Uh, so it's really it's limited in that sense, but it's tremendously important because police officers simply cannot do their jobs effectively if the community does not have confidence that they will be held responsible for uh, proven uh, misconduct. And that is why it is troubling that our current district attorney uh, has uh, received the majority of his campaign contributions from a group over which he has mandated criminal oversight. Mm -hmm. It's hard to believe that in any other uh, area or any other legal field that would be allowed. Uh, But it is allowed here, um, and uh, it has to be factored in to whether the attorney general is going to continue to come in and uh, cloud criminal cases uh, that the district attorney uh, has not filed. And that's something that we've, we've seen recently. So what is the relationship between the district attorney of Riverside County and the state AG? Well, they, they both have oversight uh, uh, of law enforcement, but principally the goal is always to have local oversight. You... Uh, Uh, I think it's in everybody's interest, including law enforcement's interest, to have oversight that is based in Riverside County, oversight that is accountable to the Riverside County voters, not to statewide voters. So uh, although they both, both uh, the attorney general and the district attorney have oversight over officer-involved misconduct, 
Uh, it should be uh, the district attorney who uh, is unbiased and able and uh, not conflicted and not compromised uh, and able to handle those cases. And when that district attorney makes a decision, that decision uh, it doesn't have the appearance of being bought. And right now, uh, no matter what decision like Hestron makes on any of these cases, the decision will always have the appearance of being bought. Hmm. So who can call for the investigation of uh, law enforcement uh, agents? So uh, typically the way it works is when there's, for example, an officer involved shooting, the district attorney's office is called out as part of the investigation. In fact, it's something that as a deputy district attorney assigned to the homicide unit, I did many, many times. And so the district attorney uh, provides oversight. They have a deputy district attorney and a uh, investigator who's also a peace officer uh, go out to the scene and actually be part of each part of that investigation. And ultimately, it's the district attorney's office that in each of those cases will make a decision whether there was any criminal action taken by law enforcement. In other words, were the actions by law enforcement legally justified? This is no small job that you're uh, entering into, even though being a judge is no small job either. But this is really in front of people's this is in front of people quite often. I mean, I think there'll be a lot more visibility for this particular uh, job that you're uh, you're running for, would you say? And you're comfortable with that visibility? Right. And, and one of the things that we find out when you're a judge is typically the Matters that are coming out of Sacramento in which reform is initiated, uh, a prosecutor could do independent of any new legislation, Hmm. you know, whether it's reducing certain matters to misdemeanors, putting people in certain programs, not filing certain allegations, all of those things a prosecutor in the appropriate circumstance could do. And it kind of points to something that's been a theme of the campaign, which is, Uh, often what we need to do is just make better, more intelligent, more equitable decisions as a prosecutor and not uh, overcharge and not, uh, and and always look to alternatives to incarceration in the appropriate cases. But I stress in the appropriate cases, there are some cases in which violent crimes are committed where prison is the appropriate option. Mm -hmm. And we need to always understand that and, fully uh, uh, articulate that to people so they don't uh, uh, say that there are that violent crimes are uh, always going to have a lenient or soft sentence. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, that that is that. So um, if if that uh, if that worked in the in the in the grand scheme of things, um, you would imagine there would be I mean, you're going to the root of the crime rather than just solving uh, a punishment fit for a crime, I think, is what you're you're kind of of uh, pointing towards. If um, if people wanted to see more about you or check up on your campaign, where could they find you? Very good. Thank you. It's at Strunsky.com. So that's S-T-R-U-N-S-K-Y.com. And that's where they can find out more about what you do and what you're running for and who you are? That's correct. So appreciate you talking to us here today on Outspoken, and good luck on that campaign. We'll be watching you. Thank you so much, Joy. I enjoyed it. Thank you. All right. Thanks a lot.